1: Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.
2: My podcasts often deal with distressing situations which are not suitable for children, and some adults for that matter. Some of what I discuss may trigger uncomfortable emotions. If that does occur please reach out to Lifeline, Beyond Blue or any other support service or person you feel comfortable with. Hello, I'm Narelle Fraser. I was a cop with Victoria Police for 27 years, 15 of those as a detective, having dealt with all types of crime from a stolen bicycle to a stolen life. I witnessed the effect crime has on all those involved and became one of those victims myself in 2012 when I was diagnosed with PTSD. However, out of adversity comes other opportunities like this, my own podcast. I still pinch myself. But thanks for listening and coming with me as we explore the human side and impact of crime. Hello, everyone. Uh, I just wish you could see where I am at this moment. We've had all sorts of problems with my recording device this week, and it's because of where I live. The signal is terrible. So, what I've done is desperate times require desperate measures. I want to paint the picture. I've driven into a chuca, and I am Uh, I've parked in a football oval and I happen to be watching a team of young, I don't know, 18-year-old men and they're all shirtless and they're all exercising. So if I get a bit distracted, uh, bear with me, but boy, do I look strange. You know, an old lady sitting in a car, I forgot to mention I'm in my car, an old lady sitting in my car, with headphones on, talking into a microphone and watching a group of young shirtless men. Anyway, let's see how we go. I just hope I don't get distracted. But today, I wanted to talk about triggers. And no, I don't mean the one on my police issue 38 firearm. Although there was a time, maybe seven or eight years ago, when that's the only thing that I thought a trigger meant. I'd never heard of a trigger in mental health terms, but unfortunately I've got to know all about triggers since being diagnosed with PTSD. In mental health terms, a trigger refers to something that affects our emotional state, having an often significant emotional reaction, and it causes us to feel extremely overwhelmed or distressed. A trigger can bring up uh, specific thoughts or patterns and or influence our behaviour. And triggers are very personal and they differ with everyone. And you might wonder, what is the difference between a trigger and a flashback? Well, it's a very subtle difference. A flashback, while it can be intrusive, it's also disassociative And by that, I mean that there's a brief or extended period where time and reality are suspended. A trigger might remind us of the incident, but the flashback is where you actually relive it. Often getting confused with what is now, the present, and then, the past. And that's where the disassociation comes into the picture. Now, I know it sounds like I've been inhaling a bit too much incense and sitting cross-legged in too many circles singing Kumbaya, but bear with me. We all experience disassociation, and in its mildest form, we might call it daydreaming. Have you ever driven somewhere and you've got to your destination and you've lost time between... Leaving point A and arriving at point B. During intrusive thoughts, memories and/or images, there's a dual awareness of time, both past and present. However, this dual awareness is lost during disassociative flashbacks, where past and present become confused. Flashbacks are disassociative because when a person has a flashback, they generally believe they're actually back there in time and place. One of my triggers, for instance, is dogs, who most of you out there have and adore. Most of my friends have dogs. Um, my sisters have dogs. They are a major part of most people's lives. But for me, would you believe they bring on emotions you just couldn't imagine? And that is due to having had to watch child pornography, which involved All sorts of situations, but many including objects and unfortunately animals, which included dogs. So I feel emotions like disgust, would you believe, disgust at seeing a dog and awkwardness. I can feel like being ill, I can feel all shaky and sweaty, and flashes just appear in my thoughts suddenly. I have absolutely no control. And I am better these days, much better. And the triggers and flashbacks, they don't go away, but somehow we learn to put one foot in front of the other. Sometimes they're really small steps and slowly your reaction, my reaction to whatever it is that caused us to react the way we did, it won't be as severe. And trust me, it will and does dissipate over time. But often when you're going through that episode, you can't see that far ahead. So that's why I feel disgust and awkwardness when I see those dogs. And as I said, it's not as prevalent these days. In fact, I'd have to say I've lost a lot of those strong feelings that I had prior to receiving professional treatment. It's a hint now rather than an onslaught of disgust. And for a while there, just cooking in the kitchen, And using normal everyday kitchen utensils that we all use, it used to make me feel ill because of flashbacks to the terrible traumatic child porn and cruelty that I've had to watch in my investigative role. Feeling triggered isn't about something or someone rubbing you up the wrong way. It's not about feeling uncomfortable. Triggers and feeling uncomfortable are completely different. For someone having experienced extreme trauma, being around anything that reminds us of a traumatic experience can make us feel like we're experiencing that trauma all over again. So when we're faced with danger, our body gets ready to fight or to flee or to freeze. Our hearts beat faster. You know how our heart feels like it's going to come out of our chest. And our senses are on high alert and our brain stops some of its normal functions to deal with that, what we perceive to be as a threat. And this includes our short-term memory because the brain can attach sights or smells to that memory and they become triggers. And I read a really good explanation which I thought um, I'd share with you and I thought it explained what a trigger is really well and it said that triggers act like buttons that turn our body's alarm system on. And when one of them is pushed, our brain switches to danger mode. And this may cause us to become frightened and our heart to start racing. The triggers that I had caused me to extricate myself, to isolate myself from many people that I loved and felt close to because I didn't want to experience that awful feeling of not being in control of my emotions and wondering why my body was reacting the way it was. I just, I just didn't know what was going on. So instead of being confronted by those flashbacks and triggers, and you can imagine anywhere you go, you see kids playing with dogs, you see dogs, you see people walking their dogs. I just found it easier to stay at home. And it wasn't, I think I said before, it wasn't until I got professional help that I understood what my body was doing and how to manage it. And I realized that feeling sick, uh, suddenly feeling faint and sweating on seeing a blue sports bag, for instance, I had a terrible reaction to that because years prior, um, I dug up a body that I had found in a tip which had been cut up and discarded in a blue sports bag. And it makes sense when it's explained. But prior to that, I thought I was going nuts. Many of you will have listened to my podcasts. You'll know the investigation I'm talking about. It's the Mornington monster, John Sharp. And he murdered his three-month pregnant wife, Anna, with a spear gun. He then cut her up with a chainsaw and he put her body parts into a blue sports bag and then he threw it out in just the household rubbish and it went to a tip. A few days later, he murdered his uh, little girl, Gracie, because he thought that she needed to be with her mum. And so every time, because I found Anna in a blue sports bag, every time I'd see a blue sports bag, I'd feel ill. I'd feel All those feelings would come up again. And I've got to tell you, You've got no idea how many blue sports bags are out there. And I reckon I've seen every, everybody, single one of them. Um, and, you know, these days we talk a lot about um, trigger. We You hear a lot about trigger warnings. And even myself, it's just part of the responsibilities of running a podcast. Because we all have different triggers, sometimes we're going into dangerous territory. So what we have to do is do what's called a trigger warning. And I've got to say sometimes, I don't know if we're giving so many of them now that people are sort of don't, they're a bit blasé about it. I've got to say, I think the advantages of a trigger warning is that it gives people a chance to prepare themselves both physically and or mentally for the trigger. And given that trigger's tend to be more distressing if they come as a surprise, it could be viewed as helping those with PTSD and other mental health issues to feel safe. However, I think about the disadvantages and what you could, I don't know, it it can be argued that trigger warnings can reinforce what's called avoidance behaviours. And that avoiding triggers only serves to maintain or continue the symptoms of PTSD in the long term. So instead, emotions that arise from triggers should be appropriately dealt with, as I've said before, with therapy and particularly if they interview with daily life. There are different types of triggers, as I said, triggers are very personal, but Anything that reminds you of what happened before, during, or after the trauma is a potential trigger, and they're generally tied to our senses, to what we see, feel, smell, touch, or taste. Some of the more common triggers uh, can be actually people, (laughs) anniversaries, fairly obvious, objects, as I said before, but smells, places, TV shows, news reports, movies, taste something as simple, would you believe, as a sunny day I read somewhere can set people off or set this certain person off because they were sexually assaulted on a beautiful sunny day. Imagine a sunny day being a trigger. Mine, like I've said many times, mine vary enormously and they include really strange things like old men would you believe? And nothing to do with anything sexual. It comes back to an old man I saw very, very early on in my career. In fact, months in, in fact. Um, And the man had died in a little old unit in a housing commission area. The room was cold and it was almost empty. His worldly possessions consisted of a bookcase, which had nothing in it, the mattress that he was lying on, on the floor, no bed, just the mattress, and a half-empty bottle of scotch, which was uh, sitting next to him. And I will never forget the sadness of seeing that man alone and with nothing. It's all he had, a mattress, a bottle of scotch, and a bookcase. And what happened next still repulses me to this day. I was at this flat because being police when somebody is.
1: Uh... A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United UnitedHealthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined
0: jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves to find out if it's right for you. Reported as being dead, as passed away, we have
2: to go and make sure that there's no suspicious circumstances and just to have a bit of a look around and just make sure that the person has passed away and we get um, the ambulance to come, you know, check all that sort of stuff. But this was very early on in my career, so I was under the guidance of a detective and two detectives came with me actually and as I said what repulsed me to this day was that one of those detectives as we came in and we saw that there was nothing suspicious it all seemed to be just you know the man had passed away naturally one of the detectives took that half empty bottle of scotch and put it under his coat and walked out I never said anything because I thought it was like a bit of a test to see what, if anything, I did and if I said anything. And I remained silent and never said a word to anyone, which I've got to say is one of the biggest regrets of my career. However, I do know that if I had said something, I wouldn't have been regarded as a team player. I would have been ostracised and I would have been making a rod for my own back. But how pathetic is that? Ignoring something so serious, which I should have called out there and then. But you know, the story does have a happy ending, would you believe? Because years later, that same detective who had put that bottle of scotch under his coat. He was charged and he actually went inside for handling stolen goods. He actually had a racket going. So for somebody who's not religious, I was just going to say there is a God, Um, but it also shows that a leopard rarely changes its spots. So you wonder where the trigger comes from with old men. Well, you probably don't, but Years later, what happened was that I was uh, required to work on, on Black Saturday along with a lot of other police. And one of the jobs I had was in a recovery centre where I was working with the Red Cross and we were taking the names of these people that were coming through into the centre because they'd lost everything. They were traumatised. They were, they were in shock and, you know, they've got their kids, they've got their dogs, they've got, and their worldly possessions might have been, I don't know, you know, really, probably the clothes that they were wearing. And it was terrible because uh, it, that could be a whole new podcast because I can still remember people lining up for soap and toothpaste. Anyway, but what happened in that recovery centre was that I saw a little old man laying on a mattress all on his own in the corner of this um, basketball stadium. And he was in the fetal position and he was moaning and rocking backwards and forwards because he was just so traumatised. And I remember it all came back to me about that old man in the flat and it was like I'd been hit with something because I remember my heart went down to my stomach, and I just had to walk outside. And I went behind a building and howled and howled. I was so affected. Another trigger I have is, unfortunately, and I think for those of you who do listen to my podcast, you'll understand why, but babies and little dolls they unfortunately uh, that's and it's obviously due to a number of investigations I was involved in with young babies. And one of my sisters has witnessed a totally unexpected uncontrollable reaction I had to seeing a baby doll in a pram. We were visiting my other sister and it was just in a, a cafe, and the people that were serving us, they had their little girl in uh, behind the, the counter. And the little girl has put her little doll in the pram. And I had, again, a reaction where it just took me back to, unfortunately, a number of deceased little babies that I have had to uh, be involved in. And... I know that my reaction was uncontrollable for me, but it was very, very confronting for my sister. But it also went a long way to her having a deeper understanding of PTSD and triggers. I really just went to water. And I've got to say she handled it beautifully, but I think it was a real uh, shock for her. And my mum. My mum discovered pottery when she got older and mum loved her pottery classes. And I remember one day I walked into her room and she'd been working on this project, which she hadn't told me about, but she was thrilled with it. And she'd finished this project the particular day and taking prize possession on her side table was a a hand. I thought I was going to faint. All I saw was Anna Sharp's hand that I'd found part of her in that tip after her husband had cut her up and discarded her in the blue sports bag. And I remember I had to make out to poor mum, who was just so thrilled with this hand that she'd, pottery hand that she'd made. I remember I, I had to extricate myself somehow and I rang one of my sister's and I bawled and bawled. And next time, God love my sister, but next time I walked in to see mum, and the hand was gone. I never saw it again. Um, yes, anyway. And with the recovering from PTSD, the, we all recover differently. And I will never, like anybody that's seen anything traumatic, you never actually forget it. But in time, you learn to manage it, don't you? It's not easy, but it's the, that um, uh, intenseness tends to sort of soften a little bit over time. And I think that the fact that I can now talk about what I saw, talk about those triggers, talk about what I experienced, and how I felt is is so cathartic. But I also do it because I can share those feelings with you all now rather than keeping them a secret. Keeping all these feelings and experiences locked inside does more damage to someone like me who likes to talk. I like to talk about what I've seen and how I feel. And I know that's not everyone, but it's me. And I just find being able to tell you or anyone for that matter about these triggers. And I just think it it makes, I think people hopefully understand a bit more about why, you know, you've been a bit different. In recovering, I did everything the professionals suggested With my triggers, and I know you've all heard them before, but the professionals and the tools they give you, they worked. and And I don't know which particular process worked, or if it was a combination, um, because it didn't happen overnight. But I did practice mindfulness. I did. I exercised. That was one of the few good things about PTSD. Was that I exercised because I just had to get out and try and get rid of all the endorphins or whatever they're called, um, the thoughts as well. And I exercised a lot and I lost a lot of weight. It is the only <laughs> good thing about uh, PTSD, I think. But I also sought the help of some natural therapies uh, like, I uh, don't know if you're aware, homeopathy. How do you say it? Homeopathy. That's with um, potions and um, and it sounds a bit out there, but an orthobionomy talking about out there. This is how desperate I was to get better, but orthobionomy, and that's um, channeling positive and negative energy. And no, again, we didn't sit in a circle singing kumbaya, but what I did do was I had reluctantly withdrawn from my police friends and I still have uh, to a point because there's such a reminder of what I was missing. I'm a lot better now. I've reconnected with a lot of police friends. But don't get me wrong, I still miss it terribly. Even when I see a police car, now I think to myself, oh, thank God, that's not me. Whereas years ago, I just wanted to get back in that div van and, you know, do what police do. But getting back to my recovery, I also avoided crowds. I avoided playgrounds where kids and dogs would be playing. But I also did a process, as I said, I tried anything and everything to get better, but I did this process called EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprogramming. And what EMDR does, there's not a lot of psychologists, I don't think, that practice it. It's getting more and more prevalent now. But it's pretty out there but the process shifts distressing thoughts into more manageable ones and as i said with that with mindfulness the exercise the um, you know the channeling <laughs> uh, i'm just so much better and i think another big thing is i don't have a tv so i don't get triggered by the many triggers on tv like it's hard to imagine but even an ad can trigger me. Well, it's not hard to imagine, but like there's a beautiful little ad I've seen with Sorbent. And no, I'm not being paid a cent by Sorbent. They don't even know I'm saying this, but there's a beautiful ad with that. There's a little puppy that grabs the toilet paper and runs through the house or something. Just seeing that little dog with the toilet paper, it, it it's a trigger. So, I'm pretty happy that I don't have a TV, and to be, and it wasn't uh, due to PTSD. My husband and I haven't had a TV, long story, but oh, since we've been together about 30 years. It's not that we don't like the TV, but we just chose he liked the fact that without a TV we talk. I mean, is that music to somebody's ears like me or what? Um, the ultimate goal of dealing with triggers for me... Was to detach myself from the trigger, recenter and focus on the coping strategies that the psychologist had taught me. Something worked because these days I can see a dog, I can see a doll, I can see an old man and a trigger, yes, it flashes in and out of my mind, but it goes. And I know why I have those thoughts and emotions now because the fact that I've been able to deal with him is because information is power. Well, the boys have left the footy oval here, so I suppose there's no point in me being here. Um, I've had an old man walk past with his dog looking at me, wondering who the hell is that with the headphones talking into her, uh, her steering wheel. Um, so I think it's about time. Otherwise, I think the police might come and wonder what I'm doing here, check on me. Um yeah. So anyway, uh, thank you for that. I hope that's helped you understand a little bit about triggers. And stay tuned. We've got more guests coming up. Okay. Have a great day. Hey, it's Narelle here again. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the podcasts as much as we enjoy putting them together. But to make sure you never miss an episode of Narelle Fraser Interviews, hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a rating and even a review. And please share it with all your friends too. And again, thanks for joining us. We have got some amazing stories to tell. So thanks again. See ya.